today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, national parks are reporting long lines. It was a long week for Southwest Airlines, and a volunteer cruise sailing is pushed back because the crew tested positive. Updates next in the news. At 3.20, we make you a smarter traveler by taking a look at the medications you use while traveling. We have some tips to help you and also some great information for those of you who use wheelchairs at the airport or travel with someone who does. The world's longest border has been closed for over a year. What will make it okay for Canadians and Americans to mingle once again? Clayton Whitehead has a report at 3.35. Say, you're looking for some good old-fashioned fun. Well, how about the Motherlode Fair in Tuolumne County uh, on the upcoming holiday weekend? We're going to tell you all about it coming up at 3.50. It's a lazy summer Sunday in Sacramento. Thank you for spending part of it enjoying life's journey with the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. I've got two tickets for paradise. Love to Alaska. I go north to Russia zone. Welcome, welcome everyone to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys with Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. Happy Father's Day to uh, all the dads out there. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time on this special day. We're, we're here to make you a smarter traveler and entertain you a little bit along the way. Mark, good to see you. Hope you're well. I've uh, been able to... <laughs> Uh, stand this stand this awful heat that we're having here but uh we're i think headed towards a cool down what's new at sports leisure vacations my friend well everybody here is just you know looks like a dog in the summer with their tongue hanging out and uh, waiting like you said for it to cool down a little bit people are definitely traveling um having been up in oregon and uh out here in all you have to do to know that things have changed is go to the gym because you'll find more people there than you've seen there in a year and a half. Uh, most of them will be maskless, and most of them will be acting like nothing ever happened. So you just have to you have to find your level of comfort with things right now. But the fact of the matter is, infections are way down, hospitalizations are down even further. So it's time to get back to a little bit of what resembles normalcy. And certainly, uh, it's summer, and people have been cooped up for a year and a half. So. Anything, any place that's further away than the street corner is considered travel at this point, Tom. All right. And I just want to remind folks, now that you're shedding those masks, I'm seeing way too many of them alongside the road. They're in the gutter. So if you're if you're getting rid of it, find the trash can, okay? You know, it's it's gone from it's it's really weird, you know, less cigarette butts and more masks. It's just yeah. kind of creepy, I think. You know? Yeah, no, you're 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 absolutely right. All right, let's. What do you say we get to the travel news? Let's do that at the top of every Travel Guys radio program. We bring you up to date on what's going on in the travel news. And with that, here's Mark with the latest. 
All right. The National Park Service is reporting record visitor numbers and long lines at almost every national park in the country. In fact, two weeks ago at Arches National Park in Utah, officials were forced to turn guests away and make them wait at gates after the property reached guest capacity before 9 a.m. local time. So if you are going to a national park that does not require uh, day use or overnight passes, that will guarantee you entry, and it's just first come, first serve. You need to be prepared. You need to go early, and you need to be prepared for some lines. Um, I was at Crater Lake National Park not too long ago, a few weeks ago, and, and found that even though it was very early in the season for Crater Lake, um, their season doesn't really start until around the 1st of, of July because of the elevation there, and, and they need the snow to melt. But there were a surprising number of people there early in the season. So if you're going to enjoy some of our nat- national and natural treasures, Make sure that you allow yourself uh, plenty of time. Or here's another thought. Um, I don't think this whole crunch thing is going to last forever. People are going to get to go some places and do some things, and then they're going to exhale, and they won't ha- there, there won't be the burning desire. So if you wait until the fall, uh, you may find that your favorite park site will be a lot less crowded. Royal Caribbean has been uh, – several cruise lines have been working on – uh, sailings, what they call volunteer sailings. We've talked about them on this broadcast. Folks who have volunteered to go out to see and test the new COVID protocols. Uh, Royal Caribbean was one of the ones planning on doing that. They had to push back their June volunteer test crews after after eight crew members tested positive for COVID-19. Um, this is not something that was uh, unexpected. It's going to happen. These were people, uh, many of the folks on the ship, the crew have been vaccinated. They had eight folks who tested positive. Uh, six of them were asymptomatic and two had mild symptoms. So once again, once folks have been vaccinated, um, the fact that they got it, they could still give it to someone else, but the vaccination kept it uh, on a lower level. The company still plans to sail several other cruises out of international and U.S. ports in June and July. We had one other cruise where a couple of people showed up infected. Um, they were asymptomatic. They quickly got them uh, quarantined on the ship, got them off at the next port of call, flew them home in a private airplane, or flew them back to their to their port of to their origination point in a private plane, and uh, got kudos for that. So so far, um, the cruise lines seem to be handling things pretty pretty well dare i say that somewhat their future depends on it on on getting this right uh the cdc has lowered cruise travel warning levels from level four a very high level of covid19 to level three just a high level of covid19 the word very is gone there um the cdc does not recommend that unvaccinated passengers even consider taking a cruise at this point i agree yeah yeah they've they've come down a notch but uh, so for vaccinated people, that's your that's your signal that the CDC says, yeah, maybe now. But you're, if you're unvaccinated, you really should. Uh, they give some guidelines here. You should be tested before, tested after. I can't imagine an unvaccinated person getting on a cruise ship unless they really didn't give a hoot about the other people around them. But, of course, I guess if you get tested beforehand and there's very, very little likelihood that you have it. But still, um, the, the first person who causes a cruise ship to come back to shore because they didn't follow the rules, that's that's not going to be pretty. Southwest Airlines had a really lousy week. Um, technical issues, cancellations uh, on 
Tuesday, they had more than 500 flights canceled, more than 1,800 flights delayed. Uh, it had to do with some computer issues. Southwest didn't go into great details. This happened to them Monday. It happened to them Tuesday, and it happened to them on Wednesday. Um, it, the Tuesday outage was the biggest one. So uh, Southwest, which is usually pretty transparent on these things, was kind of mum this time about what exactly went wrong. So if you're flying Southwest, know that they've had some issues and uh, an extra check of making sure your flight is on time before you go to the airport and find out, gosh, if you had just checked that before you left the house, your flight is three hours delayed, you wouldn't be at the airport. All the yeah, but, but wait. Yeah. What about the advice that we throw out there from time to time mm-hmm. that even if your your flight is delayed, you still should show up at the time you regularly should have because at any given moment, regard because you just don't know what the delay is being caused by, it could go from, uh, oh, you're, you're three hours delay. You know, we mm-hmm. changed our mind. We're leaving in about 45 minutes. And you're exactly. too, you know, so I, I see what you mean. I, I you know, So what is it? Mr. Well, Travel and, guy? and that does happen sometimes. You've got um, a you, you, you're on Southwest. It's eight thirty in the evening. Um, the flights are starting to wind down. There's 147 people to go to Seattle, but there's only 22 people to go to Boise. So somebody looks at all the dispatching and everything and says, "You know, we could flop these planes and send the and, and make sure we had an on time flight." For the Seattle people and let the 22 people waiting to go to Boise, let them wait a couple hours. That would make a lot of sense. Southwest in particular has a lot of flights, and they tend to do things that make sense from time to time. So, yes, Tom, you are right. There is a bit of a risk in not going to the airport, even though you know that your flight is delayed because there's no guarantee. And even if it was three hours delayed and suddenly it became an hour and a half delayed, you weren't there yet, then that would be a, a bit of a problem. So, very valid point, my friend. Uh, let's see, Hawaii, finally, a little a quick update there. June 15th, um, there's no longer any county screening. So you get tested, you get to the islands, you get screened once upon your arrival on whatever island you're arriving on. After that, you can travel inner island without testing or further screening. And hopefully before too long, you'll be able to go to Hawaii without having to be uh, tested at all. But remember, even if you're vaccinated, uh, you need a test to go to Hawaii, and uh, the, the great thing is now you only need the one test. And finally, one more reminder here, uh, the Lincoln Highway Association of California, which is mostly based in Northern California because that's where the old highway is, uh, will be having their summer meeting on Saturday, July the 10th at the Momohana Event Center on Old Bass Lake Road in El Dorado Hills. It is on the old Lincoln Highway if you are interested in attending, you don't have to be a member to come. There's a lunch buffet uh, beforehand and then a meeting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. If you're interested in old highways, drop me a note at TravelGuysRadio.com, um, or you can pick up the link there and find out about the meeting. And that is your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys. Again, you can get links to special guests and information uh, to make you a smarter traveler on a regular basis. Also, you can sign up for uh, notifications to when our podcasts are available to uh, to listen to at TravelGuysRadio.com. All right, our Smarter Traveler segment's coming up next. We're going to be talking about medications you use while traveling. Some tips to also 
you know, help you out in regards to if you're traveling with somebody who may need a wheelchair or special assistance. Those tips and more coming up next here on The Travel Guys. It's more of the travel and entertainment, guys, my friends. It's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. Thanks for joining us. It's time that we slide right into what we call the Smarter Traveler segment of the program, even though we try to, you know, help you out in that uh, in that fashion on a regular basis throughout the show. But uh, we're going to focus in now. Mark, uh, what are we going to talk about here? Well, Tom, almost every adult takes some kind of medication, whether it's just a simple cholesterol med or, uh, you know, something for high blood pressure or something more serious. And so when people travel, they've got to take those medications with them. And, and sometimes, yeah, and sometimes yeah. they, uh, you know, there may be a CBD type of a product that they might be taking for their arthritis. I imagine that's qualifies. Yeah, and some medications are perfectly fine in the United States and perfectly not so fine in another country. Of course, you can't get to many of those countries right now, but pretending that you could, um, there are some things that are legal one place and might be an illegal substance in another place. So there are a couple of things that you need to consider. Now, like I said, if you've just got a, a, a cholesterol blocker, a statin, or you've got some kind of a blood pressure medication, that's not as big of a deal. But if your immune system is compromised in some way or you have heart issues or if you have a medication that you know that if you didn't take it every day that your life might be in danger, then this is important information for you. When you're considering taking a trip, obviously you've got to take your medications with them, with you. It is desirable to leave them in their original container. If the doctor's name and the pharmacy's name and phone number and all the details about the prescription are on the bottle, that is always preferred. Now, many of us don't carry prescriptions in their original container. We've got, you know, half a dozen of them. Or I'd have to take an extra suitcase if they were all in their original <laughs> containers. My gosh. The only way, the only way I can, you know, organize my pills to take with me is to, is uh-huh. to have a nice little contained pillbox and have the yeah. week all lined out, and I put it on my So what you could do is take pictures of oh, those containers oh, yeah. and carry the pictures with you. Or oh, take the labels you. off and put them on a piece of paper and take a picture of the piece of paper and carry it in your phone. And that would be a record of all the medications that you take. Well, if now, you if you get into a situation where somebody says, you know, this kind of looks like a pill that uh, uh, we find on the street a lot of times, well, then you've got a piece of paper that says, no, 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 this is what this is. And here's a whole list of your medications right there. That's going to make any law enforcement, customs official, anybody who's looking at that stuff much more at ease. Because if you're carrying a list of all of your medications with you, it's a lot less likely that you're trying to get away with something or that you're trying to smuggle drugs into some place where they're not supposed to be. Great advice. You just made me a smarter traveler with drugs. (laughs) I just kept you out of jail your poor wife right now is if she's listening to this she's just (laughs) shaking her head somewhere um anyways important things many medications especially some of those specialized medications are only available to you 30 days prescription at a time so if you're going to be gone for more than 30 days you need to make an appointment go see your doctor or communicate with them in some way tell them what's going on make arrangements to either have the medications refilled at your destination or to 
bend the rules a little bit. Sometimes prescription or uh, uh, insurance companies won't let you have uh, big dosages ahead of time. So sometimes this takes a little planning, or as we like to say here on the Travel Guys, a little homework. So if you're someone who has medications and you have to travel and you need to take them with you, you need to be smart. Now, one way to be smart is not to put those important medications into your checked luggage. For sure. Because then your bag gets lost or delayed for a day. And remember, we're talking about medications that might be Mm life-maintaining, and now you don't have them. So now you've gotten to a destination perhaps late at night. Your luggage hasn't shown up. It's not there the next morning. You become panic-stricken, all because your medications weren't in your carry-on. You weren't carrying them in your on your person, at least enough of them to take care of you until you could get someplace and get them refilled. So, if you want, some people I know will split their medications and put half in the carry-on and half in their checked luggage. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, uh, my wisdom is take it, have them on your person at all time, have them labeled. Also, leave a copy of your medications with a friend or a relative or someone like that. So that if you get out on the road and you lose your copy and you need to have something refilled on an an emergency basis, somebody has all of that information 24-7. So if your situation happens in the evening and the doctor's office is in an open or on the weekend, you've got a friend who has all of that information. These are little things, but they are important things. Also, um, if you have a a controlled substance, uh, Tom, you were talking about perhaps uh, some people now are using CBD uh, medications is that and still some, considered a controlled substance at this point in, in some time? places it depends on what it's uh, derived from if it's mm-hmm. derived from hemp in some places that's legal if it's derived from marijuana in some places that's not so right. if you're not smart enough to know how to read the label and figure it out then have somebody do it for you um, if you need a strange medication then make sure that you're carrying perhaps a letter from your doctor on his or her letterhead signed by him or her that explains uh, that you have this injectable pen or that you have these CBDs or whatever that, and why you have them and what they're for so that if you do get into a tight situation, it'll be a little bit easier to get out. And that goes for other things like insulin and stuff like that. Like I said, if these are life-maintaining substances when you're traveling, then you need be, to be concerned. And I hate to spend so much time on such a, a deep subject on a fun travel show on a Sunday afternoon, but if you've ever been out there and you get someplace and you don't have your medicine, then panic will set in real quickly and your 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 trip will be ruined until that medication shows up. So that's something that you need to be aware of. The other thing I want to talk about here just for a minute, Tom, is about wheelchairs. Um, we, we've, we talk sometimes about folks allowing themselves extra time in airports and stuff. If they need wheelchair assistance or someone in their party needs wheelchair assistance, now that we're back to full airports, we have a shortage on people who make low salaries. Guess who pushes wheelchairs? People who make very low salaries. Yeah. So besides you being considerate and laying a couple bucks on them if they provide you with good service, one thing to remember is that you may get to an airport at a peak time, and there may be, not be wheelchairs available for 20 or 30 or 45 minutes. And that may not be anybody's fault. It may just be that the system... The, the demand has outstripped the supply. So it's important to request wheelchairs in advance. If you're traveling with an airline and you know that you're going to need wheelchair assistance, you can have that put in your actual record so the airline will know ahead of time. It also doesn't hurt 48 hours ahead of time to call the airline and say, you know, I had this put in my record and I just want to make sure that it's there. 
and go over with somebody on the phone whatever information that you need because there are different levels of wheelchair passengers. Some people need one from the time they get out of the vehicle until the time they step on the airplane. Some need one down the aisle of the airplane in order to get to their seat called an aisle chair. So there are a lot of different levels of needs, and you need to explain what your need is to the people who can help you. And if you do it in advance it will give you that much more possibility that everything will work out perfectly when you get to the other end. Point well taken, Mark. I think probably one of the best things to do is to call ahead to the airline that you're going to be traveling on, Mm -hmm. find out about their wheelchair availability, and make sure that they know that that you're going to need one and where and when you're going to need it. Uh, And, uh, you know, because some airlines might be more up to speed than others. Uh, Absolutely. I suppose a lot of times, too, if depending on where you're traveling to, sometimes more chairs are available. But the best thing to do is check ahead with the airlines before you uh, before you head out. So, as you mentioned, Tom, at the beginning of the segment, take a minute. Um, there's some really good information at TravelGuysRadio.com. But this week, particularly if you're a person who travels uh, with and, and, and needs the assistance of a wheelchair, also I put something up there, the International Narcotics Control Board, a link, so that if you have some medications that you're not quite sure about, you can find out some more information about them before it's time for you to start traveling. All right, coming up after we take a moment out to find out what the world's going on in the news It's going to be a look at the Canadian border with Mark Hoffman and Clayton Whitehead from Sports Leisure Vacation. What's the latest there? And also, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to go to the Motherlode Fair in Tuolumne County. That's all on the back half of this radio broadcast of the Travel Guys. Hey, you found us. Whether you were looking for us or not, we're here. It's Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, every Sunday at 3, here on this very same station, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Don't forget now, follow along with what we talk about, links to our special guests at TravelGuysRadio.com. It's time to talk about what's going on at the Canadian border. And Mark, I see you have Mr. Clayton Whitehead with Sports Leisure Vacations there to bring us up today. I do, Tom. The the border between the U.S. and Canada has been mostly closed for more than a year because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but Canada may soon be loosening its rules to allow fully vaccinated travelers to cross the border. And uh, there's been some discussion about even a little bit more than that. Mr. Clayton set in on a uh, discussion on Thursday and uh, has some insight on perhaps what's, what might be coming up. Clayton? Hi, Mark and Tom. Um, yeah, I guess just a little bit of insight. I attended a public forum this past Thursday uh, that was coordinated by the Tourism Industry Association of Canada, uh, which is a nearly 100-year-old organization that uh, specifically is all about promoting Canada as a tourism destination amongst their own people and especially to people outside their gates especially to we Americans. One interesting statistic that they dropped was pre-pandemic, about 75% of tourism dollars spent in their country are spent by international travelers. And of that 75%, a little more than 50% is U.S. travelers. So we are extraordinarily important to them. And, uh, of course, I can say as an American tour operator, they're extraordinarily important to us. We need their product, but they need us coming over the border and bringing our money with them. And to say that they've been crippled in the last 15 months is a huge understatement. 
uh, without the uh, the American economy supporting their economy and the American travelers coming and uh, and seeing all the wonders that are available north of the border. So I attended this forum and I was hoping for some incredible insight, but um, it really just turned out to be more of a discussion. Uh, big wheels turn slow in both Washington, D.C. and in Ottawa. And uh, I'm afraid at the end of the day, there was no big drum roll or big announcement made. We're still not certain when the border will be opening, but I think we can say with certainty it'll be sooner than it has been. Clayton, you said that there were a number of people who highlighted situations that have now gone on for a long time. You, you, you said it is possible to cross the border. You, you, you cited situations of people with families. Share a little bit of that, if you would. Yeah, the, well, the conversation kind of shifted uh, spontaneously from being more about tourism to more about personal relationships. A lot of the people on the call lived very near the border, whether they were on the U.S. side of the border or the Canadian side. And one of the points that one lady made was, you know, when you have a border that goes through your front yard, you just don't really think about it. <laughs> and she made the point that she, uh, her, her father lives uh, in Ontario, but she lives in New York State. And some of the other people started weighing in about families that have been split apart, families that haven't been able to see each other in 15 months. And then the issue of people who simply work across the border, which always seemed to be a very easy proposition. And now for the last 15 months, they've either been restricted from their jobs, restricted from their income because they can't cross the border to work. Or there are certain ways that you can kind of cheat the system, like if you had two cars there are certain places where you can walk across the border. So you'll drive your car to one side, park, walk across the border, pick up your other car, and drive to work. Uh, they even talked about one man who has a helicopter, and he has somehow gotten clearance to fly back and forth to work. But if you're a normal person who lives, you know, maybe a little bit further from the border, or you don't own a helicopter or two cars, uh, basically you've just been stuck. And uh, this goes beyond tourism. You know, it, 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 it's a huge family issue and it's a huge monetary issue, no matter what industry you're involved in. Well, and maybe by putting a human face on it a little bit, uh, maybe that will help more people understand that at this point there is a little bit of urgency because uh, it does get kind of cold in Canada in the winter. And I'm, I'm guessing the number of U.S. tourists that go there in the winter is significantly different than the summer. So there, it's still possible to salvage the summer and the fall season. If the counts are good or the numbers are good enough, but the, it isn't the numbers in the United States, it, it's the numbers in Canada. They've had problems with, with getting vaccines and getting their arms around uh, COVID, so exactly. hopefully, hopefully this will break soon. Well, there were many thank yous. I guess uh, the U.S. has just given a million shots in the last day or so uh, to Canada, so there were a lot of thank yous for that. Um, yeah, It definitely gave a face to the situation, and one really great point that I'll end with that more than one person said is science was used to close the border and we support it. Now it's time to use science to open the border. If we're vaccinated, if a majority are vaccinated, you know, if we have all these new protocols to keep people safe and healthy, then let's get the border open so families can reunite, commerce can resume, and of course, tourism especially can find its place again. Especially for the 100 or so sports leisure travelers who are hoping to go to Niagara Falls or Quebec or some of these other places this fall. Clayton, thank you very much uh, for the report. If you hear anything else, we would like to know as soon as possible. Will do. Yeah, thanks again, Clayton. Look, Mark, I see you have something there from Travelers United. What you got for us? I, I do. They they do some really good stuff. Um, TravelersUnited.com, they are our advocates 
And uh, besides Charlie Lakota, who's on our show from time to time, they have some other good people who do good work for them. Here is something, eight factors to help decide how important it is to get to the airport early. If you listen to this show, you know that one of the things I harp on people over a lot is allowing yourself enough time at the airport or at the train station or at the bus station or at the cruise terminal or wherever it is that you're going to travel. Make sure you allow yourself enough time. So the folks at Travelers United have come up with a list of, of eight items, and some of these are some that, that, that I've mentioned before, but some of them are a little different. And let me just tell you, the airports are busy now. So oh, yeah. if you think you're going to go at the last minute and, and just waltz through the airport, forget that, because that, that's not the way it's going to work. Yeah, and, and here again, based on our conversations about the daily lot being full when you were there last, uh-huh. uh, yeah. and, and the overflow lots, and, you know, please get somebody to drop you off at the airport and pick you up. And remember, if you're going to Terminal B, where Southwest, Alaska, uh, the international airlines go from, reverse everything. Avoid the crowds. When you're dropping someone off, leave them on the arrivals level. And when you're picking someone else up in the evening, yep. have them meet you on the departures level. There you uh, go. Because that's that's a surefire way to avoid almost all of the traffic. It's a, it, it's a guaranteed winner. Okay, getting to the airport early. Um, how are you getting to the airport? Um, if you're driving, think about, you know, the usual traffic and, you know, the possibility of holiday traffic. I mean, if you're going at 4 in the morning, that's one thing. But if you're going at 11 in the morning, you might run into something else. Remember, we had a road closed in Sacramento for five days. What if you'd forgotten about that, timed everything down to the last minute, and suddenly found yourself in a 20-minute traffic delay? So it doesn't hurt. It wouldn't even hurt an hour before you let, were supposed to leave to – Go on your phone and punch in the and get a route and say, oh, my goodness, there's an accident. There's already a big delay. We better get our act together here and, and get on our way. There seems to be some delays out to uh, SAC International pretty regularly. You'll find a lot of slowdown right there where the I-5 and the 99 yep. connect not too far from where the big Amazon uh, outlet is and so forth. So, yeah, definitely yeah. go ahead, put it into your your Google map, whatever, and look for the red lines. And they're filling in all of those empty lots out there with houses and businesses. Mm-hmm. And there's a new off-ramp near the airport. It's not for the air, but, but it's for that Amazon warehouse out there. So it is it is important. Do you have security line status or perks? If you have clear or pre-check or premier status, something that helps you get into lines that are shorter or bypass lines, that's a good thing. If you don't have any of those things, then your situation is a lot more uncertain at the airport. Here's a good one I hadn't thought about. Do you have a seat assignment? You know, when they overbook flights, the last dozen people or so don't get seat assignments because they're out of seats. So they're going to give you the seats of the people who don't show up that day. And when it comes time to give those seats out, you want to definitely be there, whether it's at the desk, check-in desk or whether it's at the gate. When that time comes, you want to already be checked in because if you're not, they're going to give seats to everybody who's checked in, and guess who isn't going to fly? And if you don't check in in time and you're not entitled to any compensation, then you really have created a bad seat situation for yourself. So if you don't have a seat assignment, that's a sign that you're on the cusp, and you need to make sure you're at the gate before boarding starts, at least 45 minutes before the flight departs. Um, do you usually travel alone, and now you're traveling with family? 
We've talked about this. You're traveling with somebody mm-hmm. who needs a wheelchair or a couple of kids, and now you've got strollers and things to check that you didn't have before. Are you an app person? Um, these days, there are plenty of apps to give you information on TSA wait times, tips on which lines to avoid. You just talk about major airports here, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle. There's an hour line at one TSA checkpoint, but if you walk 100 yards the other way, the, the wait is 15 minutes. And guess what? Once you go through security, you turn around and walk the 100 yards back, and now you make your flight and you've solved your problem. Do you have a travel agent? Of course. We've talked about that not only in the planning status, but somebody you can call when you're in a spot who can maybe maybe help you get out of it. Eh, am I going to make this flight? Is Are there seats on the flight that leaves an hour later? If so, can you make that happen for me? Um, and the other thing, this is really fun. How good are you with stress? <laughs> if allowing a little extra time means you'll probably make it through security with a few minutes before boarding starts or even mid-boarding, and that's okay with you, then that's one thing. But if you're the kind of person who wants to have plenty of time and you know your demeanor gets all out of whack if you don't have that plenty of time, then allow plenty of time because your problems and the situations that you encounter because you're late, guess what? We will all be sharing in those situations when you get to the airport. Wow. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And you can see it on people's faces and the sweat running down the back of their neck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't. And, and the thing is, now if you flew six months ago, you've got in your mind that, you know, I can just do this really easily. Yeah. Um, Travelers United did a wonderful survey. Let's see if I can. Oh, here it is right here. Um, I was going to mention this later, but let's let's just harp into this right now. Um, how early do you like to get to the airport before your flight? People who responded, 35% say, I get to the airport as early as I can to relax before the flight. Those are the two-hour people. I try for at least one and a half hours before 35%. So that's 70% of the people who are getting there with plenty of time. One hour before for U.S. flights, two hour before for international. That's a little tight, but probably right at the minimum. That's 27%. Here's the kicker. I always do under an hour, 3%. Ooh. Ooh. So at least it's a small number. Yeah. But um, for those 3%, I mean, who, who read a travel website and still answered that way, man, get up 20 minutes earlier. You'll do all of us a favor. And, and here again, uh, if you're being dropped off, uh, you, you stand a much better chance if you, you're eking in at an hour and a half, hour 45, you know, uh, yep. then, then, then you're okay. Uh, however, I dropped some folks off the other day, and the line to check in at Southwest, because there are no sky caps as of, as of my last trip out there. Guess what? What? The sky caps come back this weekend. All right. At Southwest. Well, that'll help. So th- thanks, for, thanks for mentioning that, because that that's a huge thing if you're flying Southwest. Yes. Don't forget, if you get there and the line's long, they've got those sky caps outside. Right. I, up until the, I couldn't go there anymore, I always did yeah. sky caps. But it, it, here again, an hour and a half, and you got to park, and you got to shuttle, or you're going to walk, mm-hmm. uh, you are taking a big chance. I guess everybody's just got to miss one flight somewhere, sometime. Uh, Clayton calls it plane left. And I said, plane left? He says, yeah, because you're still here and the plane has left. <laughs> <laughs> you get a one plane left and then you'll be cured. All right. Hey, we're going to go to a county fair next. How about that? That sounds great. I could I could use some uh, outdoor, some cotton candy, maybe a hot dog. Stick around, my friends. Off to the county fair we go next here on The Travel Guys. Amarillo by morning. Up from San Antonio.
Hey there, Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Remember now, links to our guests can be found at travelguysradio.com. And as we had teased earlier in the program, we were going to talk about fun, some places to go, something to do that's extra fun. We're talking about the Motherlode Fair in Tuolumne County. Mark, you got lined up some some special guests from there. Who are we going to talk yeah, to this morning? I thought it would be fun. It's uh, Summer is county fair time. We couldn't have county fairs last year. We've already lost a few of them this year. So, But this is one that's going to happen. Ken Allstott uh, is the CEO of the Motherlode Fair. Hi, Ken. How you doing? Um, welcome to the Travel Guys. Ken, tell us a little bit about, if, if I were living in Sacramento, and maybe when I was a kid I remembered going to a small-town county fair and this is kind of an interesting idea to me, and I'm listening to it on the radio, and I'm thinking, huh, that might be kind of fun. So give us a couple of ideas, a couple things that are going on at the fair. Tell us where it is and when, and uh, see if we can entice some folks who might take a drive up there. So the Mother Lord Fair is in Sonora, California. It's an EZTR drive from the Sacramento area. Uh, the fair this year will be from July 1st through the 4th. The daily hours are from 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, the fair this year um, is back, 2020. Obviously, we were not available. Um, this little fairgrounds has had a fair since 1938, and uh, we're really looking forward to um, hosting a fair again this year. Uh, this year's theme will be celebrating the working hands and cattle brands. And so unique in the Tuolumne County area is the, the timber industry and agricultural, and so we themed the fair this year supporting um, our local industries. And so some of the exhibits and things that we have um, are in recognition of uh, those who work hard in the Tuolumne County area. Fairs are known uh, for, especially the state fair here in, in Sacramento, is known for food. And you go out there and eat tons of stuff that you would never eat otherwise. Tell us about uh, a couple of things. If you were roaming the grounds at Tuolumne County Fair, what would be a couple of your food-eating priorities? Okay, good, better, otherwise. Well, the good would be uh, corn on the cob. It's been a staple in the fair industry for many years. Um, the bad, uh, health-wise, but good tasting, would be things like uh, deep-fried Oreos. Oh, yeah. Uh, cotton, mm -hmm. cotton candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, corn dogs, and of course, yeah. some um, good barbecue. Yeah, well, that would be okay. That would be okay. The Oreo thing would be sending you like to the cardiac unit, pretty much. Good barbecue. Now, that would be Tom. That would be at a county fair. That would be the thing. Uh, what else is featured at the at the Tuolumne County Fair, Ken? In terms of you know, traditional county fairs are also known for some of their agricultural. Goings on. Tell us a little bit about what folks might expect to find at the Tuolumne County Fair. Yeah, sure. So this year we have um, in the Manzanita building, uh, the local group, uh, Farms of Tuolumne County. And uh, within their group, they have um, uh, local businesses that will be featuring their special entities and, and what they produce on their farms and, and uh, what they sell there in the community. Uh, also this year, we have uh, some uh, cider tasting from one of the uh, local companies, Covers. And uh, we also have some uh, exciting uh, exhibits uh, representing the timber industry. And, yes, you would like to know what those are? <laughs> what are those, Ken? <laughs> so we have the number two lumberjack in the world coming in, and his name is Nate Hodges. Uh, Nate uh, represents Yosemite Axe Throwing Company, and uh, he's going to be there daily giving demonstrations, and then we'll have some um, – 
nightly tournaments for the locals to participate in. And what are the hours again for the fair, and is there an admission charge? Yeah, so the hours are 3 to 11 each day. The admission uh, charge on-site is $10. You can get pre-sale for $8 at a uh, local grocery outlet, tractor supply, hearse ranch, or at the fairgrounds up until the date of the fair opens. Excellent. Also joining us on the line uh, from Visit Tuolumne County is Lisa Mayo. She's the president and CEO. Hi, Lisa. Hi. So the big fair is, is coming up. Folks are coming up for the fair. What else might they spend a little time on in Tuolumne County on the way up or the way back to Sonora? Well, Tuolumne County is is known for being a part of Yosemite, but also um, the gold country just runs right through our area, and we have some great activities that you can do um, in the different towns that celebrate the gold rush history that we have here. And, of course, we have the High Sierra, which is incredible. And one of the things we're really excited about is that we just released a brand-new trailhead program where we have shared with visitors and residents our top 12 trails and you can um, do these trails and once you finish them you can get virtual badges online and um, it's really a great way for people that have been cooped up for the last year or so um, just to get out and enjoy nature. Lisa if our listeners are interested at travelguysradio.com we'll post a, a link to the trails do we have something like that available to us? Yes, we have a page on our website that will list out these trails. It'll tell the ability levels, how long they are. And, of course, a lot of people want to hike with their dogs, and so it will say if it's a dog-friendly trail. We also um, mentioned whether it's horseback, availability, and biking as well. Excellent, excellent. Well, Tom, it sounds like you could spend the entire 4th of July weekend up in Tuolumne County and and. Or you could go up for the day since it's only a two-hour drive. Heck, you right. wouldn't even you wouldn't have to have a uh, a hotel. A fun county fair. Thank you, Ken and Lisa um, from Tuolumne County. Uh, the fair is the first through the fourth. We'll put a link to the fair activities and to the trails for you at TravelGuysRadio.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Tom. Well, there you go. We took people out to, to do some fun stuff up to the Motherlode Fair in Tuolumne County. Uh, we covered uh, what's going on on the border between Canada and uh, and uh, the United States. You bet you. I know. I know, Mark. You got to be really anxious for Canada to open up. You have so many, oh, so many yeah, great yeah. sports Both, leisure vacations up there. Both from a financial standpoint, and also just because Canadians are nice people. It's a wonderful country to visit. Uh, there's a lot to see and do there. So yeah, it is something that we're really looking forward to. All right, it's time for us to wrap this up. Uh, next week, we'll be back with another edition of The Travel Guys. Chris Elliott is going to join us. We're going to have a little insider look from uh, the reopening of Disneyland. So I hope you will join us for that. In the meantime, remember, dance like nobody's watching. Thanks again for joining us today. All you dads out there, happy Father's Day to you. You all stay well. We'll see you next time here on The Travel Guys. Traveler is always leaving town. He never